Well, good morning, church. We have a treat today. I don't know how it's going to go, but I know it's going to go great. We got a lot of people that are going to share today. Some of them I've been chatting with and talking about the theme of the morning. We're also opening it up to you guys. We gave that challenge last week. What was your Moses moment? What's God been doing in your life this last year? Let the church hear it. Amen. And so with that, Pastor Ron, sorry, I invite you up here. Ron is a founding pastor here. Give him a round of applause. And as I told you last week, as we were saying farewell to Moses, as we followed Moses for seven months, as they got to the border of the promised land and started to reflect it was an opportune time for the people of God to slow down and to think about their roots, to do some remembrance of God's faithfulness, to give them courage to go storm those walls of Jericho. And so, Ron, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you. Good morning, church. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote these words to the church at Corinth. He said, by the grace of God, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building upon it. So I was a rookie pastor who came to Hampton, Iowa to help lay a foundation, and uh, someone else over the course of history has been building upon it. I was a city kid, and I uh, didn't know much about farm life, and, uh, but it was intriguing to me. So I said to one farmer, when the pigs come in, call me. And he did. And I must have been about 11 o'clock at night, out I came to the farm to watch kid, the pigs be born. I said to another farmer, I've never ridden in a combine. Uh, and he gave me a ride. A pretty impressive um, piece of machinery. When it was time to break ground for uh, the building that we are about to build, which is on this property, uh, we were going to break ground with a one-man plow. And the idea was that there would be a rope that the congregation would grab hold of, and I could run this plow and furrow some ground. And we did, in the form of a cross that uh, became part of the groundbreaking for uh, this particular church. I learned some lessons uh, that were a part of uh, those early years that uh, would be useful for me in future ministry. And the first, one of the first lessons I learned is that when you're picking carpet for the building, <laughs> don't do it as a committee of the whole. <laughs> we, we did it as a committee of the whole we looked at more carpets than I could tell you. 
and finally got it to a place where we're going to vote on two. And you always remember, you know, carpets are like a personal choice. And you may like green, and I may like brown, and you may like red, and uh, that's kind of the way it is. And so uh, from then on, every time we pick carpet, I said to the architect, you only get to suggest one. <laughs> and we voted up or down, if that's okay. We'll go to the next one if that one doesn't pass, you know, pass the vote. That's the first lesson I learned. Another lesson I learned is there would be many times in my ministry that I would be apologizing for the lack of food or the cold food that we as a, ch a church provided. Um, we used to do what I would call community outreach dinners that had a program with them and a meal. And quite successful in inviting in neighbors and friends. And on this particular time, it was around Christmas, uh, the planning committee said, we're going to have Christmas from around the world. And so the challenge was, whoever was going to make that particular meal, if that was from, if they had some, their assignment was Germany, they were going to make, what is, what are the, what does the Germans have for Christmas dinner? And they had to make it for 12 people so that two tables could be served from whatever was provided for England, for, uh, for uh, Sweden, Norway, etc. So it was beautiful. I mean, we had it, everything labeled came time to dismiss a table and our communication wasn't perfect because they thought it was a smorgasbord. <laughs> and they wanted to try Christmas from every country, not just <laughs> from one country. And we were out of food halfway through. So I called FaZe and said, how fast can you make chicken? <laughs> and uh, 45 minutes later, went and picked it up. And this surprised me. He scolded me and said, don't, over, don't ever put that pressure on me again. <laughs> I learned that this would be the first of many times that I would have to apologize for whatever event we were having about whatever the issue was on that particular occasion. God did some amazing things in those first early years. Uh, we were in the Farm Bureau building and soon wanted to be in our own building and uh, found this piece of property, five acres, uh, $2,000 an acre, $10,000. Um, now, if you were to 
do it in today's dollars because of inflation, that would be $63,000 today. And we had 90 days in over and above giving to come up with the money. In the first month, we got an anonymous check for $10,000. And I had the privilege of announcing to the church, we've started the building fund. <clears throat> Within two years of my coming, we were moving into our own building. And we did a, uh, a caravan from Farm Bureau to this piece of property and we almost entered the building full. God did some amazing things. We had special meetings with uh, Daryl Johnson and uh, I had arranged for Daryl and I to do nine call or eight calls on people who might possibly be open to become a Christ follower. And in that particular week, all eight became Christ followers. God did some amazing things. I love doing baptisms at Bees Lake. And the reason I loved it is it usually was on a Sunday evening uh, at the public beach. And uh, as soon as we went out into the water and the congregation started singing Amazing Grace, the whole scene became quiet. And everybody's eyes turned in attention towards what was happening in the baptism. And one particular occasion, uh, the lifeguard who was in his stand jumped down from his lifeguard stand and went and greeted the people and said, I don't know what you did, but it's impressive. And it was a way to take a very important moment and bring it where the other people could acknowledge or observe when someone's making a declaration about their faith. One of my wife's favorite verses comes out of Philippians 1.6 that says, uh, being confident of this very thing that he who began a, a good work in you will continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. And for us, we say to you, because of your 50 years of history and beyond, that he who's begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us the privilege to serve with you. Excellent, excellent. So Ron was passed here during the 70s, and as we turn the corner into the 80s, uh, we have 
A note here from Chuck Bloyer. He was an associate that served with Ron and then I believe also with Al. And so here's what he says. He says, Dear brothers and sisters of Faith Baptist, although we don't know most of you now, we praise God and we celebrate 50 years that Faith Baptist has been faithfully sharing the gospel and making faithful followers of Jesus in Hampton and Franklin County. God has been wonderfully at work through your ministry since we left Hampton 40 years ago. We were privileged to work with pastors Ron Sari and Al Magnuson, as well as the many faith-filled and dedicated founders of the church. We learned faithfulness, perseverance, and trusting God when things are difficult. Grace, gentleness, and patience from those godly leaders and workers for the gospel. It is our prayer that you will continue the mission of making disciples so that many more people will come to know and follow our Lord Jesus. So that's a note from an associate pastor during those times. And next, as we follow the timeline into the 80s, Al Magnuson. I didn't become familiar with faith at the time that uh, I was called. Uh, it was my privilege to be in Des Moines while this was beginning. And so uh, I had the privilege of listening to Ron share the great stories that were coming out of here. And uh, there was probably no greater shock to my life then when Joyce Green called me and asked if I would consider coming here as the pastor, and my response was, I'm having a great time where I am. I could never follow Ron. Uh, no. But I would like your materials, because in the back of my mind, I had the idea that maybe God would open the way for me to do district work at some time, and some of the best materials in the country were coming out of this church. Well, she misunderstood that dual communication completely and called me back in a couple weeks to ask if I had read this material that she sent me. I said, no, I haven't had a chance to do that. And she said, well, I want you to pray about this. And she stayed at it, and at the annual meeting, Ron cornered me and said, Al, they need some help up there. There's no district executive, and if you just go up and help them work their way through this process. Now, he knew me well too, way too well, knew that if I came up here, I'd fall in love with this group of people, and I would end up here. Exactly what happened. I was scared to death to walk in the footsteps that he had started, and here I am, I'm still following Ron around. <laughs> so we came in 1981, moved the family in, October. Whenever I think of Hampton, I think of snow. January. 1982, we were blessed with three weekend blizzards, big blizzards, 
The first one called the deacons and said, I don't think we can meet. They said, we can, <laughs> we can never make it to town. Uh, so we didn't have church. The next weekend, or that week, business went on as usual. They got the roads open on Sunday afternoon. Blizzard blew in on Friday. We decided we can't have church this week either. The next week, business went on as usual during the week. Friday came, a blizzard blew in. We're talking about blizzards that exceeded six to eight inches of snow and heavy winds. Locked up all the roads again. <clears throat> and I'll never forget, Herb Jinks said to me, Al, our wives have cabin fever. <laughs> Is it possible for you to get to our house in town and whoever can get together, we will have worship in our living room. So on snow skis and snowmobiles and snowshoes and a few cars, we made our way to the Jinx. And there was probably 30 of us that gathered together to worship in their living room. Well, you'd think that was all the snow. But in 1983, Christmas was on Sunday. And so we decided that after worship, I would take my family, drive to Colorado to, work, to have Christmas with my family. And we got inundated with snow. The roads were covered, drifts higher than the car. So on Christmas morning, we came to church and people were saying, are you still gonna go? And I said, it depends on the, the reports of the roads. If the roads are open, I'm going. After church, we found out there was a one-lane trail that went from here to the interstate. They opened it up with a snow plow, um, with a snow blower, and we drove that 13 miles through lengthy drifts that were higher than the car with that little space that was cut by the snowblower. We made it. When I think about Faith Baptist, there it's not cold, it's not dreary like I just described. I think of warm people, loving people, people that we fell in love with. I think of growth groups, um, that God miraculously brought across our path and something that we entered into and implemented um, with a considerable amount of uh, success, encouraging growth in Christ and several coming to Christ as a result of these small groups. I think of the building addition that we did, and I, I, I remember has... This was being built. Uh, most people cannot really envision what things are going to be like, so one day I came uh, to church early, and, and Harry Konigsberg was standing at the, the tape that kept us from going into the construction area, and he was looking at the huge entryway and said, looked at me and said, Pastor, we've made a mistake. And I said, no, Harry, when it's all done, you're going to find that the piece of the property you're looking at right now 
is what will be used the most. Uh, it's a versatile, multi-use entry area that will be very valuable. A and so it proved to be. I too learned some lessons here. I, I think that God specializes in taking the thing that he has us experiencing right now and preparing us for what is to come, the next opportunity. And so one of the major lessons that I learned here was the importance of solitude with him. This church was very generous in allowing me to serve on national boards and committees. And at one of those board meetings, uh, the devotion shared from a devotional book that I've owned ever since. In the introduction, it told of a plan, a pattern, a system for solitude. One day every hour, I mean one hour every day, one half day every week, one full day every month. And then the part that I never have put into practice, one week every year. But here at Hampton, while serving in faith, I started to take one work day every month to get off alone. Now this is the perfect place to start. You had Beads Lake Park and you had Robinson Park and Mallory Park and all of these places where without cell phones yet, I could go and hide. Only Cheryl and the secretary knew where I was and be alone with God. What precious time. I believe it was in those times that carried us through the struggles, the decisions, the opportunities that were before us. The other thing that I learned is that God supplies everything we need according to his promise for what he wants us to do. Now that led us to some interesting challenges. We actually had to cancel midweek children's programs for a year. It stretched out to be two. And then, miraculously, God raised up the person that says, I believe God wants me to take that on. But it's going to be a lot different than Awana was. And it served the church very well for years. Our children graduated from Hampton High. Uh, Steve went into the Marines and then to law school, got his degree in uh, jurisprudence, uh, practiced law in Indonesia for 11 years. Uh, in his mid-30s, married an Indonesian lady that was of similar age, and they have two grandchildren for us. Uh, they're a senior in age and a sophomore in high school now. Uh, he was 11 years in Indonesia. Now they're in the Kansas City area and uh, serving the Lord there. Carol uh, was in the fifth grade when we moved here. She graduated from high school here in Hampton, uh, went to Grace College of the Bible in Omaha. There she met her husband. They've been in ministry throughout life. Uh, they currently live in uh, uh, Saria, Kansas, close to uh, Salina, where she teaches English as a second language. And they've blessed us with three grandsons. Uh, one, the oldest of those has blessed us with three great-grandchildren. So uh, we rejoice. Cheryl went ahead to graduate from uh, College of St. Mary in, in Omaha 
and then at the, uh, that at the age of 49, and then she launched into a 20-year uh, teaching career, four years in special ed and 16 years as a first-grade classroom teacher, and uh, had a great ministry to staff and families alike. As for me, when we left here in 91, I became the executive minister of the Great Plains District, had the privilege of merging that together with the Dakota District, and, uh, and after 13 years, retired at the age of 62 and went into interim pastoral ministries. That's an intentional interim ministry that it, uh, uh, works with churches over a uh, lengthy interim, helping them to uh, evaluate their health and address issues to prepare for the next chapter. Uh, it was my privilege to serve in eight of those. I just concluded the last one I will be doing in uh, uh, this past November, and uh, there's a couple things that are happening. I, I can't handle details quite as well. I can't remember names near as well. And I confess that in part so you're not offended when I don't remember your name. <laughs> uh, the other thing, I'm working at a disadvantage this weekend because my hearing aids are in central Nebraska. It's one of those details. I forgot to put them on uh, when we left a friend's place we stayed at on Friday night. And uh, as a result, I say, huh, a lot more. And uh, I, I just tell you that now so you'll speak up so that I can hear you when you're. We currently live in Hillsboro, Nebraska. Uh, I, not Nebraska, Hillsboro, Kansas. And. Uh, uh, God is blessing us there. Uh, I look back to the times that we were at faith and say, God was faithful. God was true. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that faithfully performed the things that needed to happen in order for this church to come into existence to continue to grow and flourish is going to continue to lead you in the days that lie before. Just as it was in the days of Moses, it was in the days of Joshua, and it is in the days of Rob. So God bless you. Thank you, Al. So that was the 80s. The 90s come next. We had Rod Ankrum as a pastor here. We had Bill Malum. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. And we had Steve Anderson in the 90s. And so Steve gave me a note to share with you all. I don't have to read it because he summarized his time here this way. I loved every minute of it. Short and to the point. And he can't be here. He's in Africa, I believe, working uh, with an orphanage and a church there. That's a pretty good excuse, I think. <laughs> so we'll let him off the hook here today. But um, next up, we have Pastor Dave. And 
It needs very little introduction. A year ago, he was lead pastor here at Faith, and honored to have the chance to hear from you today. When we were sitting in the back back here, I reintroduced myself to Ron and to Al, and uh, as I sat back there, I felt like a kid. Because I knew these guys. I sat under their teachings in and out of the times I was in college, and then when we were first in, actually we were in, de in seminary part of that time. And, and so uh, listening to them talk about what was here, um, we left here in uh, 1970, uh, uh, man, went to, went to Riceville, Iowa in 1977, and came back occasionally to to be at the church and sat under the ministry of just about every one of those pastors you you named Rob, and so um, as I think about faith, uh, the w the words that came to mind were similar to what Ron said, and it came out of the mine came out of uh, Ephesians two twenty where it says together we are a house built on the foundations of the apostles the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself, and then in addition to that. You just go a little bit further, and it says in Ephesians 4, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the people to do their work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. So we celebrate um, 50 years, and uh, we're, we're, we're highlighting pastors. The problem with that is we didn't do all the work. The people did the work. This church is a generous church. It always has been in the 15 years, 16 years that I was pastor here, a generous church. And as I think about uh, my tenure here in those, those, uh, those 16 years, um, I remember many new believers, new baby Christians came to faith in Christ. Now, they didn't all come to this church, but, uh, but they were new Christians, and they were beginning to be discipled. I think of, uh, of a very missional mindset that this church grew into. There was a lot of spiritual growth in terms of missions. And as a result of the times we spent taking kids to, on short-term missions to Aguas Calientes and, uh, and other opportunities we had, we saw, we have seen many, many uh, teenage people, actually teens and 20s, uh, college kids that have gone into long-term, short-term missions and also some people who are on mission right now who came out of this church that are actually moving toward full-time missionaries. And I think about that and I think, of all the things we could do to invest in the lives of our youth so that they would take over the, the handle of what we do and go into the world and share the gospel, that is a great thing. So it's a missional mind, and in that missional mind, this church was a giving, generous church to send those people. Every time we had need to send somebody on a mission, uh, a mission trip, there was always funds that were met and also exceeded the mission giving to send people overseas or to a mission. And so we have a missional thinking that grew out of this church. Uh, one of the factors, I think, as I look at churches, and this church in particular, was the growth of the leadership. Uh, when I first came here, we was kind of like pulling teeth to find people who would serve on boards or elders and deacons, and we, f we did find a few of them, okay? 
But as we got toward the end of, um, end of that tenure, we were finding many, many more men that were willing to be elders and had the qualifications to be elders. And, and deacons, both men and women, to serve in those capacities. And I would say this church is a very generous serving church. Uh, you have served well in the, in the 16 years I was here. And as you can hear it from Ron and from Al, and if you were to hear it from the other pastors, you would say they saw the same thing. The servant mentality of the people was what made faith what it is. The last thing I want to share with you that I believe is, uh, is significant, and I'm not going to share as long as those guys did because I get to talk next week uh, in, in a message to you the first time since I retired. Um, but the, the thing that I have seen is uh, this last year of transitional leadership has been phenomenal. Okay? I just want to say thank you. Thank you to a church that let go of me and, and, and handed the handoff to Rob and as a result, we see a, a smooth transition between a 16-year tenured pastor and a brand-new uh, se seminary graduate pastor coming in here. And we haven't skipped the beat. We have not skipped the beat because you have accepted my retirement and you have accepted him as who he is, a young man learning how to become a pastor. And uh, one of the privileges I have had in the last, in the last year, last six months actually, is to, to be mentor to both he and Dustin and uh, meet with them usually regularly, sometime one time a week, and we talk about the things that they're struggling with and how can I help them. And, and, uh, and so uh, as, I, as I think about faith, that's what I think about. I think about how God has been faithful to raise up a people that are willing to follow the leadership of a pastor and pastors and and not always agree but always to say hey we can agree to disagree but let's fellowship together let's move forward let's continue this work of missional thinking of reaching people for christ in the name of jesus and so uh, i just want to thank you for uh those 16 years of serving with you and uh, i'm so glad to be able to continue to serve here um that uh, you accepted me back and rob's accepted me and uh, that's just, it's been phenomenal, and I just really appreciated that. So thank you very much. I'll shake a hand here. Awesome, yeah. So Pastor Dave, pastor during the 2000s, other pastors, Matthew Rounds. There's a family life pastor by the name of Brian Haynes. And then worship and connecting pastor, Brad Van Horn, and so uh, that's, that's an honor of our past, and we're now heading to halftime here where we're going to sing a couple of hymns, as Ashley said, some uh, jazzed, jazzed up hymns, <laughs> and then I'll come back up here with our ministry staff, we're going to start looking at the future, because faith is forever. What God is doing, what he began at the start of time, will reach its fulfillment to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the accomplishment of Jesus Christ, and through the sovereignty of God the Father. And so let's pray as we prepare to worship God in honor of what he has done and anticipation for what he will do. So let's pray, church. God, I am humbled 
to see what you have done through this church, what you've done in these men to make them and shape them over all these years, how you've used them. Humbled what you've done in my life. I'm so grateful for this church, for how they have loved and how they are loving. And God, as a church, we corporately pray for that to continue. That the love of God would rest in this place. That faith would grow. Faith in the gospel. So accept this prayer from this church. In Jesus' name, amen. What a gift uh, to hear these stories, to remember. As Pastor Dave said, not just remember these pastors. They're here to share as a spokesperson a memory, a memory of what God has done, a memory of, of what a f- church faithful to the gospel has done. So thank you for sharing that message with us today. And next we're going to hear from me. We're going to hear from family pastor Dustin, worship director Ashley. and hear from deaconate of finance, Jen. Chairman of the elder board, Noon will come up. We're going to keep it a little briefer. We wanted these guys to have the lion's share of the morning. But at the very end, it's your turn. And so if the Holy Spirit prompts you to share a story of how God has worked in your life in the last year. God deserves that glory. And people won't be able to glorify God with you unless you share that story. And as we think about everything that we're hearing today, all these different pieces, kind of the challenge I gave last week is we reflected on Moses and wondering, what does this all mean? What do each of these testimonies mean? And my testimony is a year ago, at the end of March, so it hasn't even happened yet, on March 30th, I got an email from Keith Rick. I'll read it to you. It says this. It says, My name is Keith. I am one of the elders here at Faith Baptist Church. On behalf of our search team, we'd love to schedule a time to get to know you. So this time last year, I had not yet received that email. I was going to get it later in the week. Just think of what God has done. I couldn't have done this. I knew that going into it. And yet that first sermon when I stood up here about prayer, the message God laid on my heart was, you're right, you can't. But I can. He can for you too. He has been for you. He has for this church. 
You see, we're created for faith. That's our part. That's what we're created for. We've seen in generation after generation those living that out before us. And now it's our turn. Our turn to live out faith. And God, who He is, is faithfulness. Generation after generation pours out His faithfulness to us. That's who He is. That's the good news that's going to the ends of the earth. And we'll see on Easter Sunday, it culminates in God's faithfulness through sending a Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we gather. That's what all of this means, is that God has been faithful providing a way for us that we might be recipients of mercy recipients of grace recipients of love recipients of God's favor forever the scripture I want to share with you is out of Joshua chapter 4 and chapter 4 Verses 6 through 7. I've got to talk with my hands here, I think. <laughs> Joshua 4, 6 through 7. They get to the edge of the promised land. One season is ending, and another one is beginning. They get to the Jordan River, the edge of the promised land. And they're told to set up 12 large stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel. In verse 6, it says, Your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And I've thought about that for today. As the different pastors were sharing different stones that were put together. God lays the foundation as he builds on it, as he puts different leaders, different volunteers, different church congregations together. What do these stones mean? I think of that big rock that sits out by the highway. I think about the rocks that hold up this place. I think about the testimonies that we see, the examples of faith. What do all these stones mean? Joshua 4 says it's to be a memorial forever. And at the end of chapter 4, verse 21 through 24, it says, Remember now that you are walking through dry ground through the Jordan River. The river dried up so they could pass through. And it says, Remember, this is a lot like when you left Egypt. And the Red Sea dried up and you walked on dry ground. You see how from one generation to the next, the ground is drying up and the path is being made.
That's what these stones mean. Is that it's now our turn to walk through dry ground. Placing our faith that the waters will not overcome us. Whatever's happening in your life will not come near you. For the Lord watches over his chosen ones. He watches over those he loves. You're going to be okay. The walls ahead of you in Jericho might be high. But stay together with the people of God. Listen to how God is calling you to live out in obedience. His ways are higher than our ways, and those walls will come down. In closing, I want to think about Luke chapter 19. We were there last week, briefly, to see that Moses was living forever. Moses ends up in the Gospel of Luke because he's alive and he's with Jesus. That's the promise that we all have. And as Jesus marches on towards Jerusalem, as Easter is approaching, and Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, they shout out, Hosanna, praise be to God. Praise be to the, com- the King who comes. And some of them listening told Jesus, saying, rebuke them. Jesus says, if these people don't cry out glory to God, the rocks will cry out. The rocks of ages past, the testimonies of God's faithfulness again and again and again. Look how thick that Bible is. Think of the countless stories that you can hear across the globe across history of God's faithfulness. What do these rocks mean? They mean that Jesus is alive. We don't just serve a crucified Savior. We serve a risen Lord. And Jesus is alive, my friends. Treasure that above all else. Let that root in your soul and you will find health in your life. The thanksgiving that comes from that, the working of the Spirit that comes through that. When you focus on the middle of the road, you don't got to worry about the ditches. In the middle of the road of Faith Baptist Church. What do all these rocks mean? The answer that, that Jesus died and he rose again. And to him be the glory forever and ever. Let us delight in that in this next season. Wherever it takes us. Amen. Amen. So next up, I'm going to have you hear from some of our church staff of what's on their heart. And Dustin, invited to come up. And pretty soon you're going to be on the hook. It's going to be your turn. All right?
And just know, if you cho choose to share and we bring a microphone to you at your pew and you stand up in your pew, just know that the faces looking at you are friendly faces. I promise you. All right, Dustin. Well, good morning. Welcome. Uh, just kidding. You know how we get into our tracks and our patterns and things. And um, so I'm going to take just a couple short minutes. I think if the math holds, Dave was here for 16 years, went for about six or seven minutes. I've been here for two. I think that gives me 30 seconds. Um, I can't hold to that. I just can't. Um, this last year has just been amazing for me being here. Um, you know, thinking about even coming here, being here uh, just two years ago, brand new at a service just like this one without all the 50th stuff, but as the, at the praise gathering, um, and Amanda stood up and shared about the faithfulness of God and just the wonder and the awe that we felt and the humility that we had been presented with in coming here and just the love and the kindness and the instant family that we had um, by moving five hours uh, to a place we had not been before uh, is just absolutely amazing. And uh, that rings true. That holds true today. Um, this is, I'm actually going to correct what Rob just said about when you stand up and you share and you take this microphone, the faces that are looking at you aren't just friends, they're family. And that's the love of the family. You know, we have that here. You know, sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, but it's family. And we work past it and we get through it. We agree to disagree sometimes. But that's what this is for me. This is a family. This is a home. And I thank you all so much for that. Now, what I had been preparing to say, um, Dave said most of it, uh, this last year has been one of a lot of change and a lot of transition. And as, you know, family life pastor, um, kind of, I had to kind of take on some more responsibilities with Dave leaving and in the interim before Rob showed up, I had to step into a role and step up. And that added a lot to me. That added a lot to my plate. That added a lot of stress, or really it could have added a lot more than it did because as I stepped into doing things and as I said, okay, God, I guess you want me to do this now. He always put somebody next to me to walk through that with me. And there's so many, I'm not going to start naming names because I will forget, so I'm just going to name nobody. Um, but there was a lot of you in this last year that stepped up, that answered that call to walk alongside me, to help me through and to be the provision to me that I needed. And that's one thing that I just want to praise God for in all of this is that he does provide. He offers a provision to us. It's not always what we think we need. 
and it's not always what we think we want. But God is faithful, and he has been providing for us, and he will continue to provide for us, just as he provided for me last year, as he provided for me and my family two years ago when we moved here, and as he's going to continue to provide for us as we continue to walk in his will. So this morning, my praise and my glory, give glory to God moment is to thank you, church, for being the provision that God gave to me this past year. So give yourselves a round of applause for that and give glory to God for your obedience. Thank you. So, I've just come to find I'm just really loud. <laughs> this past year, or I should say 10 months, because it was May 23rd that I was on this stage as worship director. But prior to that, the Lord was transitioning my heart and preparing me for what he was calling me to do. The past 10 months have been a time of just growth and development, of seeing God's provision, of seeing God's blessing, of seeing God's faithfulness. And I cannot thank him enough for everything that he's done. I can't thank my family enough, sorry, for coming alongside me. It's different from going, being a um, full-time mom and chauffeur to stepping into a role of ministry. But it has been awesome. The past 10 months, there's a story in Second Chronicles. It's that of King Jehoshaphat, and I want to share that with you right now. Not the whole thing, but bits and pieces. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 2 through 5. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, that is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And as I've been studying this story and reflecting upon this scripture and reflecting upon the past 10 months, worship is a lifestyle. Worship should encompass every aspect of your daily routine, whether it be making a bed, changing a dirty diaper, washing clothes that you've washed for the thousandth time, worship should encompass everything. Loving God and submitting to his sovereign authority 
on an individual and daily basis is the essence of true biblical worship. Complete and pure worship is focused and centered upon him. It's about the heart. Intense individual worship leads to powerful corporate worship. In other words, how you worship in private affects how you worship publicly. So if you are spending time in the quiet, listening to that still small voice, if you are rending your heart before the Lord in individual worship, it's going to come out when we worship together as, a pub in, as corporate. Jehoshaphat led by example. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. He resolved to worship the Lord on a daily basis. And he got in front of his nation and encouraged them to do the same thing. And as I reflect and have been reflecting, I have been called by God to reflect his heartbeat. Every time I come up here, whether I'm working at home, I have been recalled to reflect his heartbeat to my family, to the elders and the leadership of this church. I've been called to reflect his heartbeat to the members of the worship family. We're not a team, we are a family. We do life together. And I have been called to reflect Christ's heartbeat to you as a congregation, as fellow Christ followers. I have been called to reflect his heartbeat to you. I can only do this by submitting to Christ's authority and seeking his face, seeking his wisdom and his direction on a daily basis. I come in in the mornings at 8 a.m. and I am on my face before the Lord. I'm in my Bible. I'm saying, God, I surrender to you today. I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. And Lord, what do you want to do going forward? I am your obedient servant. And he speaks in quiet ways, in ways that feel like a semi-truck has hit me. It's like, okay, God, thank you. And I've learned that a part of biblical worship is praise. Praise is giving adoration and honor to the only one who deserves it, and that is Jesus. Praise can be done by singing, dancing, shouting lovingly, lifting one's arms or quietly and humbling, prostrating your heart before him. We are wired to praise him. Praise should be a daily aspect of a lifestyle of worship. Why would you not want to adore the one that saved you? Why would you not want to lift up your hands or your voices or dance for joy for what he's done for you? It, we're wired to praise. We're wired to be joyful. We're wired to be weird. I tell my kids, the weirder you are, the more normal you are. Because heaven looks down and they're like, yeah, they got it. So I'm going to tell you the same thing. The weirder you are, the more normal you are. I love to share my excitement with Jesus, with others. It's a part of my personality. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Some people will come up to me and be like, do you need another cup of coffee? I'll be like, no, I'm good. I haven't had coffee today. We couldn't tell. Being able to be his example through singing, playing the piano or sharing his words, and then hearing your voices raised and praising him in song gets me really excited. 
It is so cool to stand up here and hear all of you guys lifting your voices in unity and love, just praising and adoring God. It is amazing. I want to encourage you to continue to adore the one in the most natural way for you. Sometimes it's not natural to raise your hands. Sometimes it's not natural to move. Worship him, praise him in the way that's natural for you. Adore the one without thinking of what the person next to you might be thinking. Abandon yourself in him, lift him up, and keep it vertical. The past three weeks, I have embarked on a journey of pure praise. This is a nine-week Bible study. that focuses on biblical worship and biblical praise. I ask you to pray for me as the Lord continues to deepen my faith and as he continues to grow my lifestyle of worship. I have a desire for the worship family to join in on this study after I have individually completed it, and then we look to pass it on to you. My heart's desire is to see his children, all of us, leading lives of worship, and then leading others to do the same through their example, through your example. My heart's desire is to see all of us in love and unity praise the one who is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise, lifting up our hearts in complete abandonment without restraint and to purely praise him. It goes on in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 13. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. They worshipped. They came together. They praised. They didn't hold anything back. It goes on to say that people spoke up and they spoke with King Jehoshaphat. Then King Jehoshaphat, in verse 17, it says, You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you you, Judah, and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. At that time, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Korathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Let's come together. Let's be examples of worship, lifestyles of worship. Let's praise him without abandonment. In closing, I want to thank my family once again, Keith, Baden, Charlotte, Hudson, Ellie, and Hattie. I can't do this without your support, your prayers. It's been amazing. The worship family, you guys are awesome. You keep me accountable. You keep me on my toes. I think I keep you on your toes sometimes, too. But it has been so neat to see us come together as a family. And church, I want to thank you, too. This was new. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me this honor. And thank you for supporting us in prayer. And I want to encourage you, around 9.15, 9.20, we go back into our, little, our worship family room. We do a little Devo time, and we lift our hearts in prayer before the Lord. And if you ever feel led to join us, please do so.
thank you again, and may God be praised. All right, Jen, come on up. Jen's been uh, here the, lo the longest, kind of, <laughs> some of us that are sharing. But uh, yeah, there's exciting news here on the finance part and the finish fund, and I'm going to turn it over to Jen. So thank you. Is this on? All right, first of all, everybody stand up if you'd like. If you're comfy, stay sitting, but stand up. I just got the notice on my watch I'm supposed to stand. So if you need to stand, stand, take a break. We're not quite done yet. So wiggle it out, jumping jacks, whatever you need to do. Say hi to your neighbor. Just take a quick, quick moment, just moment here and just stretch, whatever. So um, if you want to stay standing, that's fine. This is casual. You know, this is what we're going to do. So, but um, if you're done stretching, feel free to stretch, stay, sit down, do whatever you want to do, get comfortable. Okay. Um, what I think is so ironic here is I really had nothing prepared, and I told Rob I'm not going to talk long. I don't have much. Well, here I am. So I'm sitting here looking at two rookies, <laughs> right? So as I hear that, um, it's 50 years ago, and I think about Harry Koenigsberg and the elders in that committee um, discussing and praying and um, using God's vision to put this church together and um, they bring on their first rookie pastor. <clears throat> and then as they're going through each pastor, um, and I'm thinking about all the families, that family word keeps coming up and it's amazing to me. And I uh, think about the families that have been enriched um, here at Faith Baptist Church. And I still think about the families that continue to grow. I think about the families and the kids from past pastors and staff and just watching them grow and the kids sitting out here this is your family i come from a family with one brother and i love coming here because you are my family and i just encourage you if you don't feel that family connection here get involved um it's just with your own families if you're not part of your family it's sometimes on you and i just really encourage you to get involved and and really feel that family presence here Fast forward, I think about a year ago, and um, the elders and the nomination committee putting together um, this movement to bring Pastor Rob here, another rookie. <laughs> so I just think it's incredible that we, um, that God has given us these rookies because it's amazing the work and the leadership that they've provided and have brought us to where we are today. All right. A week ago, I had a conversation with a gal from Texas. Um, I was, we were not at home, we were on vacation, and we were talking about churches and business management and that type of stuff. And she works for a company that works with churches for the business management of stuff, because a lot of times the pastors don't get called to go to college to manage bus or the business management of churches. So unfortunately, um, so what they do is they go in and they work with churches to do that type of stuff. And I just thought it was really ironic. And then I told her what I do and how I'm involved. And sh it was just kind of an ironic conversation of how that come up. If with, with, the, with the side of churches, there's also the, the business part of it. And that's the finances. 
So we're going to move forward here and go ahead with the first slide. You're going to see a lot of numbers up here. Um, on the left side is two years ago fiscal year, and on the right side is current fiscal year. And I'm not going to go over each line item. You can just kind of take a look at this. Obviously, if you're not involved with, like, on the council, we know the ins and outs of what's going on. There's been changes. We had some transition with, um, with the personnel, obviously, with the changes of uh, pastors and the timing of that. Um, Ashley coming on, you know, that, so that's um, the difference there. And like I said, you can just kind of look through this. Um, personnel is down. There's some numbers that are up. And the neat thing about that is when numbers are up, that means there's movement. That means stuff is happening. And God is using the council. It's using you, and things are happening. So don't fret on that. I think that's exciting. And when the council has to make those decisions of where monies are going to be spent, Sometimes it is, um, it maybe gets me a little bit anxiety going in, but through it all, we just trust and we discuss and we know it's going to work out. So that's slide number one. Um, you can go on to the next slide there. Again, you can just go ahead and take a peek at those numbers. The bottom there, total expenses, you can compare, again, the biggest thing is the personnel as far as the difference for total expenses. All right, let's go ahead and go on to the next slide. Here is our giving. We have online giving, the general giving, and other income, and then you've got our total income there. Again, you can take a look there to see the comparison. The net income, those are your expenses from the income, and you've got our net income there. You can compare the two years there. That's incredible. Praise the Lord, and thank you so much. All right, so not quite yet to, oh, oh there we are anyway. All right, balance sheet there. So this is, uh, again, you've got your left column and the right column. You can go ahead and compare. The funny thing is, <laughs> One of you guys mentioned the building fund, and I think it was a couple council meetings ago, <laughs> we talked about why do we still have the building fund? And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just always kind of been there. I think we need to leave it there, don't we? Yeah. Everything is coming full circle this morning. You also have our Wesleyan uh, balance there, and as I see, I didn't put the interest in there. That's all right. I don't, I don't do things completely perfect, so, um, so I just don't have the interest in there. The sound system, we went through that project over a course of a couple years. That's been completed. I'll come back to the next line item there. Mission, um, again, we've got movement. We've got movement going on, and that's exciting. General fund, um, you've got your balance comparisons there. All right, so that's a lot, a lot of numbers thrown to you. Um, the big thing that I do want to kind of talk about is our finish fund. So Rob comes on board, Pastor Dave leaves, and there's been this discussion of finishing our projects that we have going on here at Faith Family. 
and um, Dave's had this vision, and, and we had so many conversations at council meeting. Pastor Rob comes on board, and he's looking back through notes and says, I, I, what's all this stuff about? Brings it to the council, and we start getting some more movement. And so we kicked this off um, about four or five months ago. Four months, Rob knows. <laughs> four months ago. And um, again, we have movement. And today I can actually, that number is not accurate. Today, as of Friday, our balance in our finished fund is $57,648. That's amazing. Thank you for contributing to that. And we thank God for giving the council this vision and um, for moving forward and um, investing in this building and in the programming and all the activities that we're doing here at Faith. Um, this is going to be a talk that you're going to see in front of you for months, uh, months to come. We're not going to move forward with actual projects until this fund continues to grow. Um, so obviously, the council cannot move forward without uh, donations given to that. And it's just like um, in our homes, you know, if we, if we want to have some excitement, if we want to do some improvements, we do need um, monies to do that. And I just pray that you will um, give as God places that on your heart so that we can get some excitement going here and just and keep things moving. <laughs> 